Welcome to In Layman's Terms, a podcast dedicated to discipleship and putting scripture to use in our daily lives. I'm your host, Todd Seifert. I'm the Communications Director for the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church, comprised of approximately 1,000 churches in Kansas and Nebraska. As the title of this podcast suggests, I'm not ordained clergy, so what I share comes to you in layman's terms. I have more than 20 years of experience teaching the Bible to everyone from teens to 90-somethings, and I'm excited to share what Scripture has to say to us in today's society, and I love to tell stories of how people live their faith. Some episodes focus on a person or church doing great things to serve as the hands and feet of Christ. Some episodes include interviews with experts who can help us along our faith journey. And other episodes include some short reflections on Scripture. Thank you for joining me. in layman's terms, we've been exploring a series focused on re-engagement, reintroducing people to their spiritual disciplines, important parts of our faith life that may have waned while we didn't have that weekly reminder in worship. We've been re-engaging congregations, trying to find out how they are coming together again. As I've said before, we know Zoom has been a wonderful tool, but it isn't for everyone. So in-person small group meetings, events, and of course worship is eagerly anticipated by many people who just want to get back to seeing people in person again. We've been using the illustration of Ezra and Nehemiah from the Old Testament history books as our guide. Nehemiah was tasked with rebuilding a devastated Jerusalem and the wall around it after the Babylonian destruction and the decades that followed with many Jews spent in exile. We've been in our own exiles here lately, at least in a way, these past 13 months. By our exile, I mean we've been in our homes, away from other people. We've been exiled from loved ones, friends, and acquaintances. While Nehemiah rebuilt the society of Jerusalem, Ezra's task was even more difficult. He was trying to re-engage the people in their spiritual practices, literally reading the Law of Moses and explaining it to people again so they could get back on the right path of their faith journey. So how are you doing as you travel your faith journey these days? In Ezra, we read about the celebration when the new temple's foundation was being constructed, but we also hear about people who had seen Solomon's grand temple and they did not celebrate. They cried. They cried because the new normal was not going to measure up, or so they thought, to what they had before. I suspect we have quite a few listeners also struggling with what that new normal may be for us. So I wanted to explore these topics of re-engagement. I've been on the road visiting churches in the Great Plains and having fun conversations with pastors and lay people throughout Kansas and Nebraska to see how our churches adapted during the pandemic and what they're doing now to plan for the future, to see what that new normal is going to look like in a post-COVID-19 world. So far, we visited one church in Wichita and talked about how it adapted its small group so people could safely get back together for that long-yearned-for gathering time. And we've talked to a pastor in Hutchinson, Kansas, who used the pandemic time to read through the Bible cover to cover as a way of re-engaging in that most important of spiritual disciplines. This recording is taking place in the library of St. Paul United Methodist Church in the Benson neighborhood in the northern part of Omaha. We're actually circling around to the subject that we talked about already— fairly early in the pandemic during our Adapting Church series. It was one year ago, the coming Sunday of this recording, when we talked with Reverend Stephanie Alshweed about Piano Side Church. It seems like it's been a long time, but it also seems like it was just a couple of weeks ago. So I want to talk to her again about how her church is re-engaging people 
and about how that online worship service has become a key part of St. Paul's efforts and how it may play a role in the future. So, Stephanie, welcome back to In Layman's Terms. Thanks. It's good to be here. So we're, we're in your church, this beautiful historic building, uh, and you took a little bit of a different approach when the pandemic happened. Tell us about how Piano Side Church started again, for those who don't remember how we talked about this the first time. Well, I, I knew on a, it was ooh, maybe a Friday, it occurred to me that we really should not have in-person worship on Sunday. And I, I could not, I don't know, I just couldn't think how I would preach to empty sanctuary. So instead of figuring that out, a couple of volunteers helped me do something different. And um, we thought, well, We'll just do um, piano side chat. Reverend Jerry Brabeck, our minister of, of music, plays the piano quite well. He's a crowd favorite everywhere he goes. And I had this, I really did have a mental image of it, which has come to pass. I'm sitting on a stool in the crook of the piano, and he's sitting at the piano, the grand piano. And um, I have to say, for those of you who don't know Jerry, <laughs> He has a piano bar aura around him. Yes, <laughs> so he this, does. So this fits really, really well. And I, I, I don't know that I have yet found my sultry voice, but it's, <laughs> it's yeah, and um, yeah, so it's the two of us. And I, I don't know, one of my friends along the way said to me, you, you do realize you were built for a pandemic, don't you? And I was like, what do you mean? But um I am the person, I, my mom saved all the letters that I wrote home from college because she is that mother, and she gave them back to me. I think it's impressive <laughs> that you wrote letters home from college. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. Well, she had been writing them to me because she's a, a journalist. So, yeah, so she saved them all, and she gave them back to me maybe eight years ago when I was in Lincoln. So I read them, and like one of the first ones I pulled out was a postcard that said something like, what is this box they all talk about? How am I supposed to relate to people if I don't know about the box? And so I, I don't really, it's not hard for me to get out of the box because I've never been in it. So, <laughs> so it, it just seemed really obvious to me um, that what we were doing should be no more than 28 minutes because that's when I zone out. Um, and it needed to have a back and forth feel and it needed to be um, very thematic and so we we got started and we did that and we're still doing it so let's talk about the differences what does the traditional worship service look like uh, let's yeah pre-pandemic or today now that you're back open what are the components of that service and then we'll segue into what piano side looks like sure so Pre-pandemic, we were running um, three worship services in English at our church. So there was a Saturday service that was about 45 minutes long, but it would be a, what we'd call a traditional order of worship, but um, with music out of the faith we sing and the hymnal. And, so kind um, of some supplemental music that isn't so much high church, but yes. still within the hymnal family. Yes, and um, by a contemporary, we would mean not so much praise music as music written after 1950, right? right. And so then we had a, a contemporary worship service um, downstairs in a, 
um, like a fellowship hall type of space that had a praise band at it. Um, and that would be more of the type of format you'd find at a contemporary worship service, more of blocks of things happening, music, um, not really liturgy. And then we had what I would call a not a normal church service, but the traditional liturgical service upstairs in our sanctuary. And um, that all those second two services both would run about an hour long. Okay. Uh, different musicians at each, different music at each of those. Um, so once we hit pandemic period, we started piano side immediately. We didn't bring back the sanctuary service until June. So um, we're not yet to the anniversary of bringing back that service. So were you back in person in June? No. So or, I, you, or you just restarted <laughs> that type of service for people who are watching online? Right. So the first couple Sundays, it was just the three clergy in the sanctuary by ourselves. And to bridge... And this is a good size sanctuary. That's a lot of space for three people. Oh, yeah. It's fire rated for 200 some. So it's like, yeah. And... Um, and those Sunday worship times, I can't even remember now when they were, because I'd only been here eight months when we went into this mode, right? So, which is another interesting thing, because my parishioners still don't believe me that I haven't been here for what you'd call a normal Easter. Be be right. Because to them, there's something about this time, space-time continuum is kind of bent. It totally throws people off, because, yeah, I mean, we, we shut down in, in March of 2020. Right. It was before Lent, yeah, um, and, and it was because Easter was late, right? Later that year, we had done Ash Wednesday, and it was like right after that. Yeah, yeah. it was Ash Wednesday, and then boom, <laughs> the world shut down, and, and so then we cycle a year, and mm -hmm. Easter comes and goes again, right? Uh, yeah, it's it it's, totally throws people off the time the timing of when did we do that? So you can have pastors yeah. who've been in a church almost two years who haven't done pre-pandemic Easter. It's just. Ugh. Anyway, so um, I can't tell you when those services used to be, but we bridged that time at, at 10 o'clock to indicate we weren't taking away anyone's service permanently. We're doing something new. It's a new time, 10 o'clock. And um, we purposely, in June, we, we thought that the numbers would go down and we'd be back in worship together soon. So our idea was that we would demonstrate for everyone watching what worship would be like when they came back. So that's when we began uh, the live stream, which it is a truncated service. Our logic, my logic, but other people agreed, um, was if we keep worship to 35 to 40 minutes, it, re it reduces our time together in a shared space. It reduces the number of people that have to use a bathroom. Let's just be honest mm -hmm. about that. Um, and it makes it safer. And then also... If you're shortening your service, you take out a couple of the cues that make people miss songs. So, for instance, we're not passing an offering plate. Passing an offering plate is a key mm -hmm. cue to sing a song. So, offering plates in the back on your way out. And it's you, a way to pass along germs with everything yeah, else, Yeah, right? you don't want to do the germ <laughs> thing. And then um, there are a couple other places we manage. So, we're, so we did that, but then we brought the choir back. I think in August, in masks, one person per pew sitting opposite each other. So like if one person's in the front row in the middle, 
the next person's in the pew behind them on the end. So they're sitting di- every other pew, every other within the pew. Got so it. they took up half the sanctuary for 12 people <laughs> in their mass singing. And we did that. And um, so that started in the fall. I think, and and we just kind of kept going. And that was all who's been in the sanctuary until we got to March. And at March, I was just like, I've, I've had it. We've got to figure out something. So in March, that's when we figured out 25% capacity in our sanctuary is 65. We don't know if that's with or without the choir, but it hasn't become a it's not an issue, a, yet, an right? issue yet. And so we we tried using a sign-up system, which didn't really work because no one remembered if they – anyway. Right. Yeah, but, res- reservation systems, some churches have had good success with them. Yeah. Uh, some have not just because it's so foreign – not just to the people who work for the church and the key volunteers of the church, but especially the people who show up to worship. Yeah. They're not used to it. They're getting up on Sunday morning, they're coming to church. It's by rote. It's, and, it's and so a difficult th- theologically as well. It is. It, it goes against what, you know, what do you do if the doors are open and someone you don't know comes in, which is what you wanted to have happen. Yeah. So yeah, Jesus never said, bring them to me as long as they've told me ahead of time that they're coming. Right. But then, you know, you we have this obligation to keep people safe, and vaccines were not as prevalent then. So what we did was we had what we called a studio audience, which kind of we, we asked people to come who we knew either didn't have access to technology that they could be part of Piano Side or a live stream, or people that we knew would tell their friends what it was like. Oh, the usher will seat you. Uh, in our case, we have a whole set of clip-on rose bouquets for the pews that I think they used to use at what I'd call normal Pentecost, which, of course, I've not been here for, as decor. So those roses now mark the six-foot marks for people. So just to describe this, so <laughs> so every other pew, so let's just use it for argument. The first pew may have two roses, one on one end and one on the other, yeah. and these are long pews. And the second pew behind them will have a single rose in the middle. Yeah. And the idea is front, back, left, right, there's six feet between people. Yep. Uh, and it works really well. And, I mean, our That's church used tape. That's much better. Our church used yeah. tape. And it, it's <laughs> so, so your, cute. So your, your roses are very, are very well done, I it's think. It's very, it, it's, it's very, I don't know, in the context of church aesthetics, it's pretty good. Um, and we already had them. <laughs> and so, you know, so now... Because of that studio audience, they were able to tell their friends, oh, you know, you're going to go sit by a rose. Oh, you know, this is what's going to happen. And so then Easter, I was like, I cannot deal with reservations on Easter. So we overplanned. We we added an 8 o'clock to the 10 o'clock. And we rigged up a, um, oh, a simulcast to the chapel downstairs so that we could have, we could handle 100 people each service. And of course, one service at 17, mm-hmm. <laughs> one at 60. It was awesome. I was I was really relieved. Um, and we've been averaging maybe 48 in person at that 10 o'clock service, which I, I'm glad people, what people are telling me is that a lot of people are feeling more comfortable watching from home than thought that they would mm-hmm. now that they're used to it. Like at first, like, well, I'm going to do this at home because it's the only thing I can do. And now they're like, I really like watching at home. Do you mind? I'm like, no, I, I don't mind at all. I'm so glad you feel comfortable watching at home. S- some people got used to pajama church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and so I, I could see there's two ends of this. I mean, number one, we want people to gather uh, when it's safe because that's how people build their relationships and, mm-hmm. and, and continue to strengthen those ties. 
Um, but there's just a reality. Not everybody's vaccinated yet. Right. Um, and this church is located in Douglas County, Nebraska, yeah. which has been one of the bigger hotspots throughout the entire pandemic. We're like purple again. I, right now, I think our transmission rate's 22%. Even though our vaccination rate's 40%. We're recording this the last week of April, just for reference for everyone. Um, And yeah, I mean, whereas we have, so you live in Douglas County, Nebraska. I live in Mm -hmm. Douglas County, Kansas. We're the golden children of Kansas (laughs) for the number of people who have been vaccinated. Uh, But still, I mean, it's still not totally safe. Right. Um, So yeah, I can see where where you live here and serve in in a... you not only serve in a heavily populated area, you, mm-hmm. you serve in a little bit more economically challenged area of mm-hmm. Omaha, which means, and we just know this by fact, that that means that those folks, by and large, are not as widely vaccinated as others. Right. Uh, there are a number of different reasons for that that we won't go into now, yeah. but it does mean that the safety factor has to be has to be part of the decision process. Our zip code is, is one of two or three that are the least vaccinated and have had the most cases in Omaha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... There's two things about gathering that I think are, are interesting. One is what I'm discovering is that people have figured out how to do this. So we have a couple book groups that we in the church office had said, oh, do you want us to set up Zoom meetings for you? Oh, no, no, we're fine. And I thought that meant they weren't meeting. No, it's because they had already figured it out. So they, they've been having Zoom book groups. We have a bridge club that meets here. I don't know how they played bridge on Zoom, but... They were doing something, meeting on Zoom, and um, the moment somebody's elder living center opened, they went there. And s- somehow they're spaced out. They're still doing bridge. Oh, I know. They bring their own treats. They, so they, instead of sharing treats, they each bring their own treats. And I'm like, that's great. Okay. The church bridge group is back. <laughs> okay. Um, but the thing that, that worries me is that there are folks who will say to me, well, I miss my church friends, and I'll say, well, have you called them? Like, no. And I worry that over time, and this is not just here, that everywhere, Mm -hmm. we as a collective people, both in church and out of church, have mistaken proximity for friendship. Mm -hmm. And I think one thing as we reopen that I'll be working with people on is, you have permission to, to call people that you miss. And if, if that makes you nervous and you're, you feel like you're intruding on them, you have permission to write them a note. You, you can do that. And you also have permission to think of new people that you might want to write a note or engage with. So while we've been doing distancing, one of the strategies we've employed is trying to help people think of ways they can engage so, for instance, um, for Vacation Bible School last summer, 100% online. We're not, we don't have slick take-home packs, but, I, and actually it's partly because they put me in charge. <laughs> so every kid got their own big bag of goldfish, not a tiny bag, a big bag. And every kid got a huge box of sidewalk chalk, because I'm like, this is your mission project. Go chalk up the neighborhood kids. And we got the best photos back from kids chalking up their sidewalks around them. Some of them came to church. I, got, I came to church in the morning, and the VBS kids had come to write messages to us at church. And I just I think there's room for that kind of teaching people 
new ways to engage. It doesn't have to be super complicated. And I think Mm -mm. that's where some churches fall into the trap of if they can't do this big box or packet of things, then they just don't do it. Yeah. Um, Whereas that's not how the church started. Uh, The church started with people together talking learning about going to each other's homes. Don't go to each other's homes right now. Right, 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 yeah. <laughs> not, mm-hmm. not, not, not saying that. I'm just saying that that's how it started. Uh, when we look in the book of Acts, it was people just getting to know each other and, and just sharing the good news. It wasn't an elaborate elaborate show. And But, you know, you don't want to... I want to be sure that anyone who's good at making a take-home box knows that that's awesome. It's to- totally great. It's uh, just... Yeah, not saying don't do it. It's every just that if you church, don't have that capability, yeah. don't not do something There's because something you can't do that. There's something else that you that. can do. Yes. Exactly. And I, I think that's what is most important is mm-hmm. thinking through... And then that's asset-based. What are we good at? What do we know how to do? Because I guarantee you the church that does, can't make the big boxes... There's something that they're good at. Oh, absolutely. Something they can do. Yeah. Uh, I think of the church up in, I think it's Alliance, Nebraska, that uh, I went up there. This is during the top of the pandemic. I mean, mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff was going on. They were getting ready to do something for their for their youth Sunday school or their children's Sunday school. And they just, they had some packets that they put together. It wasn't elaborate. Mm-hmm. Some weeks it was just a coloring sheet, but it was something that kept kids engaged. Yeah. And like you said, they took pictures of that and they sent it and people shared those. Uh-huh. And it was they were able to stay connected because of it. Yeah. We had the goofiest children's pageant ever. It's our most watched video. Pastor Marta gave every family a little bit of scripture, and their only instruction was figure out how to act it out on video. <laughs> so you got all kinds of stuff. Oh, it's the best ever. We've got shepherds in, in their... Oh, and you'll, maybe I'll give you the link and you can post it. And it was so good that we know we're probably going to do it this way from now on. And if, if people can come, then we'll we'll have like some kind of movie premiere in the basement with snacks. Because the kids, here's the thing, no kid had stage fright because they didn't know anyone was watching because at the time no one was. It's the most hilarious thing I've ever seen in my life. And the church people, I mean, also because it was a video, everyone could see. Mm-hmm. And if there was a part you wanted to watch again and laugh just, even harder. Just rewind and yeah, right there. put it back. When I, when I see the YouTube stats and what people... I'm always most intrigued by what people watch between 1 and 4 in the morning. Children's pageant, super popular for people who can't sleep. <laughs> the, the other thing you said, too, when we were talking, uh, this is a, a different time, you were telling me about Piano Side yeah. and how every now and then you'll see like two or three consecutive yeah. episodes, we'll call it an episode, right. is being watched. And you had something very good to say about what that means. Yeah. What, what do you see when you see that binge watching at that kind of time of the day? It's so interesting to me because we've got more than 60 episodes now. And when I see the stats, I just want to make sure everyone knows we can't see who it is who's watching. Right. We just see someone's watched. But, And I get the 60-minute and the 48-hour cuts. And it'll be really clear, yeah, someone's watched three or four episodes at three in the morning. And... I, just, I tell my church members, you know, then they don't all watch Piano Side. I'm like, look what you've done. You've just given someone two hours of hope in the middle of the night. And this is someone, if they didn't have this, if they didn't find this, they're watching a really weird and depressing television ad. <laughs> right. right? Oh, that's what Some else. kind of infomercial? Or... What options do you have? Right. And instead, they are hearing words of hope and, and music that isn't random. It goes with it. 
And um, the other thing I find interesting is often those binge watch ones, they're not just what pops up next. They, they've gone through and they've picked either a title or a topic that's something interesting. That's, something that's resonating with them. Yeah. At that moment, they needed to hear something and those words spoke to them. Right. And, and I, I don't know the pattern to that, but it, mm-hmm. it really it makes me feel so good to know that, that we can do that for people. And I think it's really important for churches to know that it's the whole church that does that, whether or not you mm-hmm. watched it with that person at 2 in the morning. They know that the church did that. Right. It's a group effort. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about the future here. Um, you, you've been doing piano side for, for more than a year. Yeah. Um, do you consider doing that six months from now? Oh, yeah. that's It's a regular service now um, in in our, I don't know, our lineup of uh-huh. worship services. Our chapel service is back on Saturday nights. We thought that was important because it's such a different time than Sundays. Mm-hmm. And now we've got some people with us in person and a live stream at 10, but piano side is our, our best attended um, and our most consistently attended worship service right now. But um, as soon as it became clear that we were going to have people in worship at 10, I started getting emails and calls from the piano side regulars. You're not going to you know, it's the same as any other worships. You're not going to kill our service, are you? You're not going right. to take it. I'm like, no, you're, you're here. This is a real service. You're real people, whether or not there's a pandemic. And, and as a pastor, when I got here, I had thought, you know, it just really feels like we need another worship service. But I hadn't been able to figure out how to shoehorn it into the schedule. Mother because, necessity, right? <laughs> right, because in addition to the three English services, we had one in Chirindi and Kiswahili, and we had one um, a Nepalese guest congregation. So we already had five. I'm like, I don't know how to schedule this. And um, piano side is just so, it's not hard at all to you know get ready. And it has its own audience. Mm-hmm. And, and then people who are regular attenders will either dip into it as well. Like then maybe it'll be their Wednesday service. Mm-hmm. They'll watch it. I mean, you can watch now, it any is day. The, is the sermon the same between piano side and the <laughs> <No>. others? <laughs> well, I, I I use the same scripture, um, but the piano side sermon is more dense, and um, sometimes I'll have a oh a um, a prop that I talk about. Okay. Like this week, I had a plant that I showed everybody because you can see it better. If I'm up in the pulpit in that gigantic sanctuary, you can't see right. what I'm holding up. So I, my logic is, well, if I've got this form where I can show people things that I describe, why not use it? I, I don't do it all the time, but maybe once a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's more dense, but that we usually record on Tuesday. So that's all running through my head by the time I get to chapel service. Saturday, right? <laughs> Worship Sunday. So, and things in the world may may cause you to make shifts and mm-hmm. changes. Uh, so, you record on Tuesday. When does it when does it premiere? When does it appear live for people? We we set it for eight a.m. on Sunday okay. to be revealed. Um, we it, I don't know. We just kind of picked that right. <laughs> at the time. Um, but well, then, there's there's a reality to recorded services in that it doesn't matter. It just they, people just need to know when it first is available. Right. They're going to watch it on their own schedule. Right. Because it's episodic, you. so you need to know when that episode is coming. Right. We also do sermon by phone, which I haven't referenced, which is fun. And sermon by phone, I record 
it's it, it's the really abbreviated version um, with just a scripture, and I usually post that on 9 a.m. Sunday, and that's for people who just all they got is a phone, but you can you can call from anywhere. So you record it, and then it's just loaded somewhere, and people dial a number. And yeah, it's a really great website. It's ten dollars a month, and it's a local to Omaha. Wherever you are, it's a local phone number. People can call as many times as they want. Okay. Yeah. So I've got people who use that as a devotion also. So you can hear a version of this sermon, three permutations of it. You can get the really abbreviated version on the phone. Right. The medium at piano side. Yeah. And then the full-blown at the yeah. worship service on yeah. Sunday morning. Yeah. And then chapel service, because there's it's a smaller group, sometimes they get the wild and crazy stories because it's more fun and there are not that many witnesses. Right. <laughs> and they know it's more, it. <laughs> it's more intimate. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I totally get yeah. that. The other thing that happens is that Marta Wheeler, our associate pastor, is a spiritual director and a beautiful writer. And I know you know this. Mm-hmm. And so maybe about the third week into this piano side thing, it was clear that was going to be what I was doing. I was like, Marta, can you write a weekly devotion for us? And so she writes a weekly devotion that usually is on the same scripture that I'm preaching on. It has a poem. It has a reflection. And then that goes on the website, the Facebook page, and then the people who are at home who don't have access to that, we can print it and mail it to them. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing. And that there's, that's not going away. That's also staying. So really, there's that's another permutation mm-hmm. for that theme every week. So there's two things you talked about there that I want to make sure we hit home with people. And we'll go back to the video for just a second, then we're going to come back to what Marta's doing. Yeah. Um, you and I have talked about this before. I believe we totally we live in a Netflix world now. On demand is 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 what it is. I don't know any anybody who's listening to this podcast has ever can ever say that they never binge watched anything. With all the streaming services that are out there now, um, almost everybody has binged whatever. Take your pick: Netflix, Apple TV, whatever. Um, that is the way that the pandemic has taught some people to engage with church. Mm-hmm. Because for some people, they did not engage with church until the pandemic hit. Yeah. And then they found a crisis of, of life and faith that they all of a sudden decided, I need something, and they find something online. And it could be a large church, like Church of the Resurrection. It could be a church this size, which mm-hmm. is still fairly good size for the Great Plains Conference. Yeah. Or it could be a much smaller church like the church that I go to. Or it could even be a 20-member church right. in the middle of Panhandle of Nebraska. Mm-hmm. People will keep coming back to that and because you are what they know. Yeah, you are the one stabilizing factor that they've had throughout yeah. this entire time, and so even once you can get back together safely, we'll even go crazy and say no masks, and people can sit right. next to each other. That online component, I believe, is essential to maintain because those are people. There are people out there who rely on that for their spiritual nourishment oh, every week. Absolutely. I mean, we when we we know that we've picked up. I haven't I haven't reached out to any of them yet to say, do you want to join the church? But they are part of the church family now. Mm-hmm. They they send comments. Some of them will mail me notes. They'll email me. They interact with our members. I'll have members say, oh, now I don't think what service does so and so usually go to? And I'm like piano side uh-huh. <laughs> because they don't live in nebraska um right which is it's pretty great i forgot sonoda of the day that's our most binge watched <laughs> yes. one because it's so short and, and we talked a little bit about this we, uh we talked a little bit a little bit about it when stephanie was on about a year ago but 
she has a vast collection of snow domes, uh, those little trinkets that you can buy almost anywhere. You turn them upside down or swish them, and the snow swirls around some type of of uh, little right. animate or not animated, but some kind of little a vignette. S- vignette, yeah, that's a good way to put it. So uh, she, you did that four days a week or five days a week for quite a while. For a while, when we were like at home, right, and then it was three days a week. Then the thing that was hard on me is I, I really love advent calendars, and I went a little overboard, <laughs> and I made it go through Epiphany. So I did. Does that make thirty-seven? Uh-huh. I did thirty-seven days in a row, and that snow don't burn out. <laughs> kind of, kind of wore me out a bit. So now it's kind of one of a week, and I need to pick up my step because I've got a couple followers who are like, like "Where's my snow dome? When's the next one?" <laughs> and my husband, the snow dome. Um, curator yeah, he's is really actually, concerned. He's actually the collector, correct? He's the one who collected over 3,000 plastic souvenir snow domes. So okay. he's really like concerned. Although he didn't realize there was a devotion connected to it until like two months ago. <laughs> he thought I was just posting photos. I'm like, no, it has a devotion. That's thoughtful, I hope. <laughs> so now he understands why I can't just put up photos. That's great. I'm serious. It took like 10 months for him to figure that out. Yeah, you know, sometimes those guys <sighs> are slow. Yeah. Uh. Well, Steffi, thank you so much for, for taking time here on In Lima's Terms to talk with us about the way your church is, has re-engaged people and is currently working to re-engage people. I want to close with just an idea about uh, my framework for this has been Ezra and Nehemiah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the idea being that Nehemiah is, how do we want our society to look on the other side? Mm-hmm. Because that's really what Nehemiah was doing. Um, Ezra was about rebuilding the individual. Mm-hmm. Um your church is, based on what you've told me here, you're working on both ends of that, Yeah, uh, which I think is a great thing. What does it look like a year from now for St. Paul? Um, what, what's the plan as far as how to make sure people stay re-engaged? I'm, I'm interested right now specifically in the Ezra part of it, how we keep people engaged, because here's backing up a little bit, two concepts. Gathering is for those of us already part of the church. We want that desperately because that's, that's how we get with people connection is building with people outside the church right and it's that part but we got to take we got to get ourselves right first before we can do the connection yeah and we we really are intensely doing both of those so that the inward work is um making sure we really have found everyone again and still and we have literal work that we're doing on that just even making sure our database is accurate going through and asking ourselves does everyone here have some connection point at the church other than something that we mail them unless that's their choice i mean some people that's their choice some people that's all they want yeah so have we done that and are we adding new things for the people that are already known to us whether that's bringing something back online and by online i mean in person Mm -hmm. or online um like the knitting group just started up again there's four of them they can knit without masks together because they're vaccinated they're back okay but then on the connecting piece, um, we just are in the process of signing back up to do Benson First Friday and bringing, putting our booths up at, at First Friday. How are we going to do that? Okay. We're, and that's a, is that a community? Oh, yeah. It's an awesome arts festival every month in downtown Benson. And we're a sponsoring member of the group, but um, haven't been doing it be, because of the danger factor. But now it's spring. It's outdoor. We have a a UM comp tent with the Methodist brand on it so we can go down there again. Um, 
And then our, um, our East African refugee group, you know, that group will be out and about more um, with the choir, working with them on that. The Nepalese um, will be bringing more people into worship again. And then we have a, a new associate pastor coming in July who will be purposely helping us meet our neighbors. So it's a lot of, of both working on our own infrastructure while bringing new people in. But I, I have a secret goal that I'll tell you. Mm-hmm. I mean, why stop with our current three worship services a week? I, I think we, we just need worship. I, I, I could see us figuring out a right way to add more online worship that's different than piano side. I think there's a room for more devotions that people can find online in a consistent manner. And um, I think there's room to think through how we encounter worship, not just on Sunday mornings and Sunday afternoons. It's a huge building with four worship spaces in it. So I'm, I'm excited about figuring that out. Uh-huh. Well, what, what I'm hearing is that there's a lot of planning that's going on. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of strategic thought that's going into this. Uh, it's not like you think of it today and you launch it tomorrow. Oh, no. it, it's stuff yeah. that has to go through it. So I just want everybody to be clear on that and to understand that you too can do, you may not do everything that a church this size can do, but pick one or two things, one or two things that reaches out to help people re-engage with God and then helps your church re-engage with its community. If you can do one of each, uh, I, think that's, I think that's a win, and that helps, oh, people, yeah. that helps people come back from the pandemic. And that's a new normal we can all be pretty proud of. you enjoyed the conversation we had with Stephanie Alshweed. In layman's terms, it's going to take a little bit of a hiatus. You see, in the United Methodist Church, there's this little meeting we have every year called Annual Conference. And while we're still not meeting in person, we are having a virtual annual conference this year in the Great Plains. It's going to require quite a bit of effort and logistics to make sure everything comes off exactly as it should be for all of the members of our annual conference. So we'll be back sometime in mid-June with more stories about re-engaging ourselves with God and the community. Until then, everybody, please stay safe. In Layman's Terms is a podcast sponsored by the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church and by me, your host, Todd Seifert. If you liked what you heard in this episode, please go rate us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening. It helps other people find us. And please, if you feel so inclined, share us on Facebook or other social media. Our music comes via a licensed subscription with FirstCom Music. You can find archived podcasts on my website, toddseifert.com, or via a link on the conference website, greatplainsumc.org slash podcasts. Feel free to email me any questions or suggestions to tcypher at greatplainsumc.org and I'll do my best to respond as quickly as possible. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, please do what you can to help make more disciples of Jesus Christ. You can play a small part in helping change a life.